0: are you ready to be in the spotlight are you ready to share your story with the world well snails with no shells is where you need to be available on all digital platforms Facebook and YouTube snails with no shells leave that shell at the door Where did we go wrong? We were doing... Greetings, greetings, beautiful ones. I am Ms. BJ Martin, and this is Snails with No Shells. Leave that shell at the door. That's my only rule in this room. All right, let's get into it. I have a very, very special guest coming to the stage. He is amazing. I am so excited for you to meet him. That's enough. Let me bring him on out come on down I've ivan colbert <sighs>
1: <laughs> okay. how are you, how you doing? i'm doing i'm doing great how are you doing today
0: i am amazing i am thank you for being on snails with no skills. <laughs> hey, i
1: just want to say thank you for like allowing me to be on here on your platform uh what you're doing is an awesome thing I'm just I'm happy to be a part of this, you know, a part of the energy. And uh, you know, hopefully my words, my story uh touches somebody or just informs somebody. Yeah. But thank you for having me on.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's start with I asked this question to everyone. Ivan, where were you born and raised? Where were you born and raised?
1: Uh okay, I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, yes, uh, west side of Atlanta. Um, yeah, the West side of Atlanta, I was born and raised, uh, okay. mom, dad, I had the, the whole traditional initially, you know, both parents, I have three sisters, uh,
0: you know, we, we stayed in a rough part of the city, but you know, we made it work. Okay. And now you are, so you are uh, original, you are O G A T L E N. Are you a yeah. Grady baby?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely. Baby, baby, But it is a float. flow. Uh, I was born, yeah, was born in Grady. Uh, the the old school Atlanta, the Screaming Wheels, Sharon Showcase. So I'm kind of showing my age there. But uh, yeah, I'm with the Doug, uh, Douglas had Turner. I went to Turner when it was, when they first turned it into a middle school. I uh, also went to Tri Cities open campus you know okay. from all over the city mm-hmm.
0: okay okay grady baby all right all right <laughs> um so what was it like growing up on the west side
1: uh well anybody that know like the the early 90s late 80s early 90s uh west side was rough man it was a lot going on um toward the late 80s that was when the the was going on I think the early 90s late 80s Miami boys came up it was a it was violent it was a rough it was a rough situation and as a kid you know I didn't know everything that was going on but you know I heard the gunshots you know late night you know Charles Disco was right around the corner I don't know if you remember Charles Disco mm-hmm. so um uh, and I've, I've taken some excursions late at night on the bicycle, sneaking out, going to see a girl and whatnot, and running <laughs> past Charles and the police cars and, like I said, the gun, the gunfire. It was, it was real. Now that I look back, I'm like, whoa, all that was going on, and we was right there, like in the middle of all that.
0: Hmm. Mm, okay. So, uh, what did you want to <laughs> be when you grew up?
1: Uh, so that was crazy. So growing up, I don't feel like I had the, the traditional role models. And I think that's one of the things that that I look back now is like, hey, I was really kind of deprived, but maybe I just didn't pay attention like I was supposed to. But, you know, my dad, he worked, you know, he worked at Lockheed Martin. And, you know, he was a disciplinarian. I didn't want to be like that. I think unfortunately it, it this is what this is a true story i watched a lot of movies when i was younger and one of the, one of the first movies i watched that i kind of remember was like scarface i saw scarface mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i had this dream that i was going to go to the army and i was going to learn how to be an assassin and uh i wanted to be an assassin <laughs>
0: Okay, so, I mean, not sad. really. Well, not really. Yeah, I had a guest yeah. on the show that said she wanted to be an astronaut. You know, I've had some interesting answers, very interesting. Yeah, so answers. I would
1: have preferred being an astronaut. Now, I'm artistic, you know, I can draw. I think outside of that that childish fantasy of like, hell, I'm gonna be an assassin, like they'd be on TV. Uh, I did have some interest in possibly like doing a cartoon being a cartoonist, and whatnot, but. You know, once I started getting in trouble, that kind of just went to the left and mm. I just got caught up in uh, you know, being bad for no reason. Is mm. what I look at it as.
0: Okay. Okay. So when did like when when were when like when like the real trouble? Like how old were you when that started?
1: Uh so like the early skirmishes of a juvenile, you know, it started off and as a black kid growing up in hood, I think it, we all, the ones that get in trouble, I think the pattern starts the same. You start off with the the little petty stealing here and there, shoplifting. Like I started shoplifting out of Rich's and Macy's and, uh, you know, the, the, the stealing the cars and stuff. And uh, I think my, my first big charge when I was a juvenile was uh, when well, no, I did my first charge as an adult. Was the shoplifting. And then the second was a forgery. I had a forgery charge. Got a hold of some checks. You know, we're trying to cash some checks. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my first major felony, where I actually got some time, I was nineteen, and I got an armed robbery. Um, I had like an armed robbery, kidnapping, aggravated assault, impersonating a police officer, um, possession of a firearm. It was like five felonies so it was it was serious and uh yeah I was well, I was 18 when it happened and I got sentenced when I was 19. and um I ended up with uh I took a plea deal because you know the evidence was just so overwhelming and I was young I'm like well I can I can do this and they gave me a deal of 15 years to do 10 to serve and have five years on probation so I went into the you know the the prison system at night at 19 with a 10-year sentence and back then because i had the armed robbery it was a mandatory 10-year sentence so i went from being a kid essentially not really you know having a a dad like that because they got a divorce when i was like 15 to uh you know being in prison with a bunch of grown men so Mm -hmm. i had to to grow up fast
0: So, 19, and really, I mean, 19, that's still a kid. I don't care what, I don't care nobody say. That's my opinion, my opinion. 19 is still a kid. I look at my kids and I'd be like, oh my gosh, y'all, you know. So, how'd that feel, like, being 19, knowing, like, I got, I'm doing 10 years, like, without a shadow of a doubt.
1: So let me let me think back on this, because this is 90. This is 96 when I was sentenced, 1996. So here we go. I'll tell you how old I am. Um, I remember being sentenced. I remember my mom uh, throwing up in the courtroom like she threw up. And I was just it was a shock as far as just when it when it set in, when she heard me take the plea, knew I was going to take this. well, no, that was the first. That's the, that's the second time she threw up because I actually been in prison, too. So the first time it was it was it was it was rough. Like I was numb, 19 years old. The last thing you think you're going to do is go do a 10 year sentence. And like I said, it wasn't juvenile no more. It was like I'm with grown men. I didn't go to uh, they had a place called Alto for younger offenders, uh, for you kind of transition into prison. But I went straight to prison. So I was scared, I ain't gonna lie, I am scared to death. I heard all the um, all the prison stories, you know, all the stories you, you hear. And then the movies, the prison movies that I saw people going to prison and being in prison. So, uh, you know, I was terrified and it was I couldn't show it. So that's the thing, too. So being in jail and going to prison is like you have to bottle up all those emotions, being scared and uh, you know, ain't no crying out for for Miami. You know, it's a it's a wrap. Like you, you with the big boys. So it's like I did the crime. You know, now I had to do I had to do the time. I had to suffer the consequences of it. So yeah,
0: that's interesting because we always hear that you know um, most people that go to jail you, you know they usually have they always come from a you know, it's a single parent home, like it's always the mom, but you have both your parents.
1: Well, so what happened, like initially both my we they were married, uh mm-hmm. they divorced when I was probably like 15. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, once my my pop left my mom, it wasn't one of those situations where uh he was trying to get us for the weekend or every other weekend and all that kind of stuff. It was like, No, we divorced, all right, them your kids. You know what I'm saying? Essentially that's how we felt. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't remember a time when he even wanted to get me. So I kind of missed out on that that father-son thing. And you know, to this day, I feel a little salty. I don't hold a grudge. I just feel like he could have did better. Well, I know he could have did better with me. Mm -hmm. You know, he came to a point where he actually apologized. You know, we had to talk about that. But, yeah, so, you know, at at 15, he gone, and, you know, my mom, you know, she was dealing with being divorced and, you know, having four kids. And she still, like, back then, my mom was still partying. She still wanted to go to the club. She, she looked young for her age. She didn't look like she had four kids. And so, you know, it was times when she was still partying. When it was time for us to go to school, she hadn't even came home yet right and uh you know but she kept a house for us you know what i'm saying we had a roof right. over our head we had nice clothes we had decent clothes like we wasn't we wasn't slumming but she still was trying to you know i guess make up for the years of being married and she really wasn't that happy i don't know but that kind of pushed me toward trying to find my place somewhere and unfortunately i gravitated mm-hmm. toward getting in trouble you know and trying to see what's up in the streets
0: right okay so 19 since the 10 years wow that's 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 blowing my mind wow because i've never heard of that oh so how how was it like so and you said you've been oh. to jail twice right
1: yeah unfortunately okay. well prison so i went to jail a couple times uh
0: okay what's the difference between jail and prison for people that don't know
1: well, jail is when you still in the county, the county jail, where they still down there. you able to, to go visit them and you're still going through the court proceedings and whatnot. and You have actually been sentenced. Now, once you get sentenced, the judge say, hey, you're guilty or you take a plea, uh, a plea deal and you actually get a sentence, you know, uh, whatever the judge decides or whatever you agree to, then you leave the county custody. The custody of the county and now your state because you get you know it's a whole transition process where once you uh you get your time you reprimand it to the state now the state has custody of you so they have to take you from that county jail to a state facility which is the prisons
0: okay <clears throat> so what was it like uh, those 10 years so so you basically grew up in in prison what was that like
1: uh yeah, so I grew up in prison, and everybody's prison experience is different. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you that, um, and I'm the, one of the key things that stuck out is it's a lot of us in prison.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a lot of us. It's a lot of brown, and unlike on the the street or what we call the free world, um, we mm-hmm. run the prison like our color run the prison, and it's sad, like the place where. You're held captive. That's the place where we we reign it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of it's a lot of gangs in prison. Uh, the violence, just the the constant oppressiveness of of negativity. So mm-hmm. you know, I take that that bus ride going from the county jail early in the morning, going to Jackson because that's where they do the the diagnostic. Diagnostic Center for Georgia is Jackson. So if you're going to prison, most likely, no matter what county you in, you can be down in Savannah or whatever, you're going to get shipped from that county jail to Jackson Diagnostic Center, which is in Jackson, Georgia. And so essentially, that's when they do all the assessments, uh, mental health assessment, you know, health assessments and all that stuff and security assessments to decide what prison they want to send you to in Georgia. They have probably over 100 something prisons. I don't I don't know the exact number on my phone here, but they decide where they want to send you to. And it's not going to be uh, what's convenient for you and your family. They're going to send you to wherever they want to, wherever they have bed space at. So I was in Atlanta. I think uh, the first prison I went to being from Atlanta, the first prison I went to their first time was uh, I want to say Dooley. went to Dooley prison. I went to so many different prisons. I've been, you know, four or five miles away from Atlanta to, Mm -hmm. I mean, four or five hours away from Atlanta to like, uh, you know, an hour away from Atlanta. So, uh, you know, they don't make it easy on you, you know. Uh, It's just, it's a a messed up situation. Hold on, let me, let me get all, it's violent it's oppressive you, you turn into a number you miss your family you know you've had kids you're gonna miss your kids but the thing that you can do or the thing that i did to get through all of that was kind of just shut everything out so it's kind of like i built up this emotional wall mm-hmm. that i'm still to this day trying to tear back down mm-hmm. you walking around crying and Man, I miss my mom. I miss my sisters and all that. Cause then you looking like prey, right? And sad to say, you got you know dudes and us stabbing each other for 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 something to eat. You know, mm. I mean? you got a commissary in your locker. You got you know twenty dollars worth for commissary, and you know you have somebody come in and try to try to rob you for commissary. Mm. So they, you have to realize too where you not. I, w- I wasn't in a place where the good boys was at. This right. is the people that couldn't behave in society. Now we're gonna put all y'all in this environment, and it it's not rehabilitation. So everybody's under that false impression that, oh, you finna go to prison and get rehabilitated. It's no. We finna house you right here since you can't behave over here, and uh, y'all do what y'all do. Y'all might kill each other. Y'all might not you know, it's understaffed, So you're not going to get officers that's going to really put their lives in danger to save you. Somebody stabbed you, you know, they're going to wait till it calmed down and wait till they get some help. But, um, yeah.
0: Mm. And so you don't have any children.
1: So, no, uh, I don't have any kids. Uh, I stayed locked up 10 years that first time uh, from Mm -hmm. 1996 to 2006, I got out and um, got out in 2006. And I think what did me a disservice was that I didn't go through any uh, transitional programs that first time that I got out. So okay 2006, I got out of disciplinary segregation. I got out from being locked down 23 hours a day to straight on the street. And I had been locked down uh, probably like three years that last time. So I did a 10 year sentence and out of the 10 years I probably stayed locked down five and a half of those years. I've been on high max. I was on high max. We got mm-hmm. with some officers. Um, they put me on high max and then I had this sex. every So it's like, if you can't, if you want to obey, cause I had an issue with authority. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I bucked authority. Uh, so they they put you on high max. They got a place for you. And in the end of the day, like you're not going to win. You right. know, you're in their system, you're in their cage. So you I can act out as much as I want to. But when it's all said and done, they're going to have me back in the cell. Right. And depending on, OK, if you keep acting out, guess what? We're not going to let you out and cell. them. Mm-hmm. So I've been in sales where I didn't come out, where you know it was a shower in there, and you know they didn't do yard call, and you know I'm just in that sale for weeks at a time. So you oh. kind of know yourself. You kind of get to know yourself or dislike yourself, one of the two.
0: <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So you cool. did your ten years. So at this, so you were twenty nine now so you got it 19, yes, you get so, like, I, so you get I out
1: like you, years.
0: right you didn't get any 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 type of like you said anything no transitional no, no kind of helping out they just said, okay go ahead you go back to where you were basically
1: and, yeah, and i want to so, say this is something that happens to a lot of people so if any i know a lot of us being you know of color we know family, friends. We have cousins or whatever that that do time, or this, uh, or we know somebody that knows somebody, or has somebody that's incarcerated. And uh, a lot of times, that's what happen. We don't get no preparation to re-enter society. So you take me away from you know life for ten years, and I'm in here with you know the animals. We're in here beating each other up. You know, dudes stabbing each other for for soups and honey buns, and just that whole negative environment. And you take me, and then you put me back on the street. And that first time I got out, uh, I think they gave me like a thirty-five dollar check, and you know whatever I had left on my account. You know, and the the money that you get in prison. This is another misconception too. You don't get. We don't get paid. Georgia do not pay their prisoners to work. So. All the money that comes in to support prisons when they want, when we want the extra food or we want to buy some some headphones and all that. This is money loved ones send in to us. Okay. So uh, you work for free in Georgia, and you know it's one of the amendments uh, that if you are a prisoner of the state, you can be used as a slave. I don't know the amendment, but you can quote me on this. It's one of the amendments where it's actually that's the only time uh, slavery is legal. If you're a prisoner of the state, they don't have to pay you. So yeah, I got out with 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 thirty five dollars, and fortunately, I do have family. I got out that first time. I went and uh, my mom had an apartment over in, uh, in East No Riverdale. She was in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. I stayed over in Riverdale with her for two weeks. And I was like, Oh no, I can't do this. I can't mm-hmm. do this. I'm 29, staying with my mom in this apartment. I didn't like it. So I ended up going to uh, Griffin. My sister had a big house out in Griffin. She was like, mm-hmm. you can come down here. And so I went down there and I felt like they gave me a chance to meet my nieces and nephews that I didn't know. And uh, it gave me the opportunity to kind of help her out because she was working a couple of different jobs mm-hmm. uh, and she kind of needs some help with the kids. So it was, it was twofold. It worked out. But I didn't have any training, you know. I did ten years, and from nineteen to twenty-nine, I didn't learn any skills. Mm-hmm. So I go from being a teenager to a grown man w- with no skills, but I had this, this record. So you know, people doing background checks. I'm trying to get jobs. Right. People, oh Lord, you know they, you know, a background check look hard. But I've seen it, and to have armed robberies, aggravated assaults, and kidnapping, it's like. We're not finna hire you, <laughs> I'm right. sorry, sir. And um, I went through a lot of that those first couple of months, and I ended up getting a job uh, working. Really wasn't satisfied with it, uh, and then I, I ended up gravitating back to the to the street a little bit. Now I kind of straddled the fence. I didn't go full fledged like back into the street. I started selling a little weed. You know, uh, I moved. I moved in with a girlfriend down in Griffin, and the area that she stayed in was, you know, a, a, a drug area. So I'm like, oh man, man, they're not really buying this weed, man. So next thing you know, now I'm selling, selling crack. I was working, selling crack, and I wasn't trying to be, you know, no kingpin. I was literally selling drugs just to support myself, you know, what I mean, just to pay the bills, make sure I have a little extra money and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I made that transition from selling weed, the crack, the devil just raised his head. And that's how I ended up getting the gun back in my hand. I was a convicted felon. Uh, I'm not supposed to be selling drugs. And the last thing I'm not, I'm definitely not supposed to have a gun. But I had somebody, you know, came and brought a gun and they wanted, you know, they wanted some dope for uh, here. I got this gun. Let me get some dope. So now I'm a, I'm a felon with a gun again. And uh, yeah. And so I stayed out of for years and I ended up shooting somebody in the leg. So I go from doing two ten 10 years, get out a couple years now i'm a felon with a gun and i'm shooting a guy in the leg and i ended up back in prison wow so yeah so i take yeah. myself away from my family again that's something else i want to i want to make mention mm-hmm. anybody that's watching this one of the things that happen and you understand it's like when when you do a crime you go to prison it doesn't just affect you it affect everybody that loves you Everybody that's depending on you, the mothers, the wives, the daughters, the sons, the cousins, like you take yourself out of everybody's life. And I had to realize that I had to grow up. Even then, I didn't realize it. It took the second time you going to prison to really embrace like, hey, I'm the one that screwed up. You know what I mean? Like, I see why my sister not talking to me. I see why my sister was, cause when I went back to prison, my sister didn't talk to me for a mm. few years. She was mad at me. Cause it was like, yo, you wasn't here for, for 10 years as my big brother. And then you go back to prison. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first I, oh, you know, I have, man, my little sister ain't talking to me, man. Oh man, whatever, man. And I, you know, I was mad at everybody else, but you know, as I did some self-searching, some soul-searching and whatnot uh, and grew up a little bit, I realized like, yo, I failed everybody. You know what I mean? I pulled, I took myself out of everybody's life and they mad at me for that. And they was they was right for being mad at me for that. Right,
0: you, um, you just, you became accountable for your actions. Right. That's, that's the word. So uh, to kind of sum it up, I I shot a guy in the
1: leg. This time I went to trial. Went to trial. Uh, Actually, I got an attorney. Trial screwed me. End of it, I ended up getting found guilty. Um, The guy that I shot, he he said I robbed him. I don't know. I'm just being honest. I did. I robbed him (laughs) for some drugs. and as I was leaving, he pointed a gun at me and I shot him in the leg. Okay. As I opened the door to run out, uh, I don't know if this is karma or, or what, but it was a police officer already in the vicinity. So he heard the gunshots and soon as I opened the door, I heard freeze.